0: We are back with another episode of Underrated. I'm Lefty, and I'm Bo. You know, it's been a, an exciting week in the world of sports. Uh, lots going on. Some some tough NFL matchups this past week. Some big NCAA football matchups, and mm-hmm. uh, coming coming down to the wire in the NWSL. Oh man, it's a uh, lot's been happening.
1: I have to uh, check back in with uh, the real world at some point here. So I'm glad you're getting me caught up, Lefty. <laughs> have you been have you been watching sports on a regular basis? I, I feel like I haven't, uh in this last week since that terrible Monday night football game.
0: Um, you know, not not really actually. I uh, I watched some NWSL games this past week just because, mm-hmm. you know, it's the it's the push for the playoffs. Uh, right. you know, my my local team, the O L Rain, clinched a spot, but uh, they're still fighting for that first overall position. But uh yeah, aside from that you know, after the White Sox fell out of contention, I uh, haven't watched much on my end. Let me
1: ask you, are NWSL uh, tickets uh, affordable, or uh, uh, what do you think on those prices?
0: Yeah, I think they're they're fairly affordable, at least where I am. I'm sure that they're probably more affordable in other cities, to be honest. Sure. But uh, here in Seattle, um, you can get pretty solid seats for $25 or so
1: good 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 yeah get out there and uh, support man we need some more of that uh hey w- what's up with uh, the violence at baseball games these days have, there's been two pretty publicized fights in the last few days i don't know if you've seen this but um have you seen any videos of these
0: i, I have not uh, though um I do have whatever that large Twitter account that just posts baseball fights blocked. (laughs) It just doesn't interest me in any
1: way. Oh my goodness. It's just, uh, I feel like this past season, it's more than ever though. You know, you always have this drunken silliness, right? At any, you know, um, any venue, but I didn't understand. So last night, uh, a Dodgers fan and Padres fan start throwing haymakers. Just seriously. You know, if you watch this video, this Dodgers fan just got destroyed, too. At the end of it, you see a cop just slowly kind of walk up looking very confused. So, you know, who knows what happened there. But earlier this week, a man was arrested and has been banned from Nationals Park for five years after he attacked an usher. Not even another fan, just an usher. And so some 54-year-old from West Virginia drives in to see the Nationals play the Braves. Uh, Of course, there's like 20 people there. So he goes down to sit up front, and I guess one of the ushers caught him and asked him to leave the section. And, you know, the fans are seeing this altercation, so they're getting into it. You know, the fans are, you know, shouting, get him out, uh, you know, and clapping. And uh, he just is getting more upset. And uh, a male usher comes down to assist, and this fan just throws a closed fist uh, at his face. And... (laughs) they go yeah they go into some seats uh, the police walk down i mean uh i mean the usher had a bloody hand the the fan had a bloody face it's like this is becoming a regular thing to see at games now lefty i mean
0: yeah that's uh pretty disheartening to see um guess uh uh you know they've, they've a lot of people have transferred from fighting on airplanes to fighting a baseball game apparently that's what it is that's what it is uh speaking of baseball we got some clinchers
1: folks, right? I saw, uh, you know, this has been the shortest long baseball season ever. It seems yeah. like just, I don't know, just cruised by. Right. So it uh, just faster than recent years, but anyways, Blue Jays just clinched earlier. Uh, super happy for them. Thought they were going to, you know, uh, not do that. <laughs> so <laughs> That's cool to see them in the playoffs once again, but, uh, I think the NL wild card might get interesting, dude. I, yeah, I think. Yeah. I think. I think unless Seattle loses every game uh, uh, on the AL side, I don't. I don't. I don't think Baltimore messes anything up. But the Milwaukee, Philly, and San Diego situation might get a little stupid here. I don't know. Yeah, do you think yeah. there's any
0: surprises coming up or? Um, you know, I would. Uh, it's blasphemy living here in Seattle, but uh, I kind of want the. The mariners to not make the playoffs (laughs) oh man
1: (laughs) speak on this talk
0: more um you know i i just find mariners fans pretty annoying (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think i find most fans annoying to be sure sure completely honest but uh of course um you know extend that drought oh my goodness (laughs) <laughs> this is uh, this is big stuff coming from you there. Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. I will will wait. We'll wait and see here. Um, obviously, I think the AL uh, wild card is pretty much in the books. I, I, I don't. Yeah. Think, yeah. I think they'll uh, make it. There's, I mean, there's four, very little chance they lose. Yeah. You know, four games out. That's a pretty big gap with you yeah, know the little time left. Yeah. So, um, but uh, I'll be curious to see what happens with uh, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and San Diego. Does San yeah. Diego implode?
0: Once I, again. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I hope so, because
1: that's the <laughs> most too. fun storyline. <laughs> Me too. I I feel terrible for saying that, but just I I I would love to see this happen yet again. I mean, it's just, it's it's always something, right? Absolutely. So, you know, we're a couple weeks away from the NBA season starting, so we have to start with some of the biggest news, LeBron news. Do you see this LeBron news?
0: Uh, catch me up.
1: Okay, so get this. LeBron James is now officially invested
0: in the pickleball business. Oh, I, I did see that. I did see that with oh my uh, with
1: old friend of the podcast, Draymond Green. I, I was going to say underrated cover boy, Draymond Green. And uh, Kevin Love, he's purchased the team in the MLP. It, apparently, this is instrumental for the league, you know, which. Let's talk about the real story here. What the hell is the MLP? Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, um, I obviously don't have the financial backing or acumen of, of King James, but uh, yeah, I, I do have to say I don't imagine anybody watching pickleball. I think that would... that's a sport that that uh, definitely intrigues people. Uh, an older subset of people, uh, lower impact tennis. So I think that it's, yeah, you know, there, there are lots of 40 and 50 year olds playing it. Oh, I know. Nobody's watching pickleball.
1: You know, I just thought it's, I didn't, okay. So I don't know. I didn't know this existed. And I thought, why would this be of interest to anyone? And I thought this was unacceptable to do outside of your local park, but, uh, yeah, isn't this like, you know, uh, people who can't play tennis and perform at that
0: level anymore just immediately play pickleball? You know, I, I'm actually not all that familiar with the sport. I, I enjoy playing tennis. Good for um, you. I, I, I can't say that I've ever <laughs> experimented in the pickleball. Yeah, I've watched it quite a bit.
1: I've been asked to play multiple times, but I've had other things to do, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, like watch, TV cut, land, grass. Cut the, cut the grass or, you know, um, sleep. Yeah, so you power, know, wash your, like power wash your house. Really anything that yeah. isn't that.
0: So, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it's I, it's one of those things. It, to me, it kind of falls in the, the realm of like CrossFit um, in terms mm. of the, the people that thoroughly enjoy it are pretty insufferable. Yeah, yeah, because you're not just,
1: you're not sort of into pickleball. You're like all in. There's yeah. probably a line of pickle bill, uh, pickle bill, pickleball apparel, you know? There's probably like just you know brands out there and things you know because like they've got brands like you ever seen that brand
0: noble it's like all crossfit stuff which is something ridiculous i've not but uh you know if i get into crossfit i'll go to i'll spend my grandmother's cole's cash on some pickleball apparel (laughs) i
1: love that we made a cole's cash reference on this episode awesome uh, that's uh that's that's great but yeah um you know good for lebron he's going the shack route at this point Shaq owns uh you know a series of five guys uh restaurants buick. yeah he owns uh, <laughs> a really small buick he owns a very small vehicle he does uh, commercials with an animated general uh, he's got a little he's got his hand in a little bit of everything man so uh you know um uh, there's lebron so good for him uh well, Lefty, um, welcome back. What uh, what do you have for us today, sir? Well, Bo,
0: as you know, uh, we've kind of gone down the basketball path in the past. You know, mm-hmm. we chatted about WNBA legends like Sue Bird and Yolanda Griffith, as well as some NBA stars like Draymond, mm-hmm. Rasheed Wallace. Today, I want to go down a different avenue, talk about a man that never played in the NBA. Okay, <laughs> today, <laughs> that's not where I thought you were going. <laughs> today, I'd like to talk about one of the greatest NCAA basketball players, and possibly the greatest international basketball player of all time. Oh, man. Today, I'd like to talk about Kresimir Čošić. Kresimir Čošić. okay. Born in 1948 in Yugoslavia, modern-day Croatia, Čošić uh, picked up basketball at a young age. The age of 17 was already playing professionally as a center in the first Federal Basketball League in Yugoslavia, and he helped lead his hometown team, KK Zadar, to league titles 1965, 1967, and 1968, all before, you know, he, w- he was even in college or thinking about playing in the United States. Sure. this so there's no small feat. So that league was considered to be the strongest in Europe during its existence and drew top players from all around Europe during that time. Mm-hmm which was a time in which the top talent stayed in Europe and didn't come stateside to play in the, in, in the United States or the NBA. All right. So along with winning three Yugoslav League titles, Josic also helped Yugoslavia take home the silver medal in the 1968 Summer Olympics, all all by 20 years old. Hmm. So at so that time, at, at the insistence of a teammate, Vico Vaino, a Finnish player he competed with in Yugoslavia, who was playing college basketball in the United States, Josic decided that he should come to the United States, joined Vano, and enrolled at Brigham Young University for the 1969-70 season. Uh-huh. So he immediately saw success, averaged 17 points, 12 boards a game, in his first 12 appearances as a freshman. As wow. a sophomore, he put up almost identical numbers, and was named the first-team All-Western Athletic Conference and led BYU to the 1971 WAC Championship. Between seasons, Czossic returned to Europe to compete in the FIBA Euro Basket Tournament, where he won the MVP of that tournament. Wow. So he, he basically named the best player in all of Europe sure. as, a, as a sophomore in, in college. Quite the feat. Absolutely. In the following season, Czossic somehow even got better. You know? He averaged 22.3 points per game, 12.8 rebounds, again led BYU to the WAC championship, and was named first-team all-WAC. Wow. On the heels of those impressive numbers, Chosich became the first non-American player ever to be awarded All-American honors. Um, And despite being drafted by the Portland Trailblazers in the 10th round that year, Chosich returned to BYU for his senior season, where he averaged an impressive 20.2 points and 9.5 rebounds per game, leading again to All-American honors and his third consecutive first-team All-WAC selection. Outstanding. Throughout his college career, Chosich was also named to three FIBA All-Star teams, the highest annual honor for European players at the time, while also winning the FIBA World Cup gold medal.
1: Yeah.
0: This all culminated in Chosich being drafted in the fifth round of the 73 draft by the Lakers. You know, he was a player that was 6'11", had a great nose for rebounds, and he had great proficiency around the rim, but also was very good at shooting, you know, from the perimeter on offense. Right. You know, he seemed poised to pick up exactly where he left off and really dominate the NBA. Yeah. But uh, that was not to be. Josic didn't want to play in the NBA. He didn't want to live in the United States. And uh, he returned to his native Yugoslavia and huh. rejoined his hometown team of KK Zadar. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So, and after three seasons and two more titles with Zadar, he moved on to both play and coach for ASK Olympia in from 1976 to 1978. Keep in mind, he's not even 30 years old, and he's already a player coach uh, for, you know, one of the top European teams. Right. Unbelievable. And while that didn't exactly pan out um, immediately, he did go back to, to just playing he spent the next six seasons playing in Italy. Sorry, playing in Italy and Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. And after his playing career ended, Chosic became an incredibly venerated coach. He spent time with clubs in Yugoslavia, Italy, Greece, and he even coached the Yugoslavian national team to bronze medals in the FIBO World Cup and the FIBA Eurobasket, EuroBasket tournament, which um, is is a is a really large feat because it's it's hard to understate how. Um, Dominant and productive The Yugoslavia like, Nation was in producing A depth right. basketball yeah. talent at that time Sure, sure um, That's if, if it were still a country Outside of the United States I believe that Yugoslavia would have More NBA players Than any other country Right um, A lot of talent there Absolutely And all told, it's it's really hard to say What kind of numbers Chelsea put up in Europe In a sense there they they really just don't exist. And if they exist, they're not in English. Um, so even his college numbers are pretty incomplete. Um, there's just no actual numbers for, for his college years. But right. it's undeniable that during his career, he was one of the greatest college basketball players of his time, truly breaking the mold for what centers um, really do. Um, and it's much more akin to what big men today do, shooting from the perimeter, um, but also being able to crash the boards. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and Josic to this day, still holds the record for both uh, for both most FIBA World Cup medals and Euro Basket MVP awards, with two of each. Or, sorry. He has four World Cup medals, two gold, and then two Euro Basket MVP awards. Wow. His career saw him win six Yugoslav League titles, three Yugoslav Cups, and two Italian League championships, as well as three Olympic medals, including gold in the 1980 Summer Olympics. Wow. He is absolutely among the most decorated European players of all times and would likely have been much more recognized in the United States had he not been born in a nation engulfed in the Cold War against the United States. Sure. So in 1996, a year after his death, Josic was ultimately inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame for his contributions to the game. Um, And he was only the third non-U.S. player ever inducted into into the Basketball Hall of Fame. All right. That's outstanding. Um, so, Bo, is, is Kresimir Čosić the first of many college basketball stars with a skill set that was unlikely to translate to the NBA, or is the Yugoslavian big man underrated? You know, um,
1: it's it's really hard to say when you think about um, cause some points that you touched on, right? You know, it was really hard to gauge the competition level over there at the time. But, you know, when you think back at, uh, you know, players from Yugoslavia and you think about the the Vladi Divaks and uh, the and guys like that, um, you know the talent is absolutely there. Now, usually when you think about Big Ben, you think about in the NCAA and in the NBA, you think of the David Robinsons and the Christian Leitners and the Tim Duncans and guys like that. But I think with Kosic, what was different is you had a 6'11 center who could play like a point guard, right? You know, he uh, uh, apparently had this great hook shot and turnaround jumper, and uh, he just surely loved the game. Obviously, uh, that was proven by not wanting to go to the NBA to really just play uh, for uh, a national team where he probably earned what you could make uh, doing construction here in the U.S., honestly, right? Yeah, <laughs> So yeah. um It is really hard to say what his career could have ended up like. But what I believe makes him underrated and a little bit overlooked is, you know, all these accomplishments we talk about, um, especially in, you know, we're going off of his NCAA career, right? Uh, You know, leading BYU in scoring, uh, you know, per game, uh, the rebounds per game. I mean, these are crazy 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 statistics but you know aside from that um you know european championships uh you know Yugoslavian cup championships and uh you know being a champion anywhere multiple times is is hard enough to do no matter what level you're playing at um i do believe that his talent could have translated in some way over to the nba and i do believe if he would have you know, taking them on their offers, he would have had a successful career. And I think for that in itself, he's underrated, right? Uh, he's just a name that
0: has sort of been forgotten, um, but uh, should be more talked about. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and just imagine if he had, he had you know, signed with the Lakers. You know, that was a team that, that uh, you know, finished first in the NBA Pacific Division, that Ryan. year, had Wilt Chamberlain at center, a player that definitely could have taught him quite a bit.
1: Um, Absolutely. Definitely
0: helped develop his game. Um, but, um, you know, I, I one thing I didn't touch on, but it, it's hard to understate, you know, the the impact he had on international players in the U.S. Coming, coming to the U.S. to play college basketball. It's kind of a, you know, just a given now that if a player wants to develop their game, they, they typically come to the U.S. and play college ball. But that really was not a thing at the time, as evidenced by the fact that he was the the first international All American, right? Um, And interestingly enough, um, in in his senior season, he was named to that uh, as as a European All Star and played in a tournament in which uh, you know the European All Stars played against a a U.S. team in four different cities across Europe. Sure. They beat they beat the U.S in four different games in four different cities in that in that all-star festi- festival um right. and i could not find the rosters for that u.s team um but i would have to assume that it it was a lot of great players i, sure, mean, typically, stacked, I mean even gosh, at, sure. e- even at that time the u.s fielded um you know pretty solid international teams i mean right. famously that was the year that they're still complaining about losing that gold medal in, right. in the Absolutely. olympics but but, that, but what I would assume is a similar team lost all four games to to a team led by Josic. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, if you
1: really look at the numbers, the statistics, and that time, I mean, you have to assume in college basketball that he was one of the first great international players to play college basketball. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So, uh, you know, that says a lot about... The quality of his talent and uh, you know obviously uh, BYU retired his number you know um, quite a few years ago um, out of you know due respect but you know that's a lasting you know effect that he's left um, you know behind him again uh, an interesting choice to not be live in the U S and not play in the U S, um, stuck by his values and what he felt. And, uh, I think, uh, you know, for some folks, uh, there's too, too many politics involved with the game, right? There is a lot that happens and, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it, uh, it's, it's the competition is what's more important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting to think about, uh, you know, he might be a player that really could have taken off, uh, you know, in another decade, also with the three-point line, you know, sure. his, enti- his entire career wasn't even introduced in FIBA until he was done playing in 84. So basically his entire career, there was no three-point line. Uh, right. And, you know, people rave about his proficiency in, in deep shooting. So, uh, you know, his his game could have been completely different. Um, Absolutely.
1: And I think at the NBA
0: level, um,
1: they would have found a way to showcase um, all of his skill set, Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, uh, you see a guy in the game now like Luka Doncic. Yeah. And you think of a player that, you know, has the same talents as Koshik did and the versatility and look what's happening. Look yeah, yeah. what kind of player he is, you know, um, absolutely. following those same, same footsteps, a, a versatile player that can shoot from anywhere on the court. And, uh, you know uh can move and you know the Dallas Mavericks have been able to showcase that so it's
0: yeah, yeah, it's awesome yeah yeah and he's a pretty he was a pretty similar size to a player like say Kevin Durant so absolutely if, if, you, you think about what what he could have done you know he's so far ahead of his time in just terms of skill set and uh you know play style so uh it is kind of uh, you know another another one of those what ifs of, of sports but at the same time, he did have an incredibly productive career, um, and I would say probably did everything that he wanted to do and more uh, playing and coaching in Yugoslavia and absolutely. Greece. Absolutely.
1: And, uh, you know, also a deputy ambassador for Croatia to the United States. Uh, passed away a young man, but, uh, you know, um, great career with, uh, you know, without having to go to the NBA. Still a great career.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so I, I guess we both agree, Cresimir uh, Chochich, uh, underrated. We're going to take a quick, great, twi- uh, quick break, and we'll be right back. <music> and we are back. Bo, is there anybody that you wanted to talk about today?
1: Yeah, okay, Lefty. Uh, I'm going to cover a baseball player today, and this will probably be the last one I do until spring training next year because I'm like that and uh, to be honest <laughs> i've been so gun shy to do uh, another baseball player because of all the hatred and adversity i faced personally in the aftermath of that gary guiety cover i did a while back i mean i felt like i i had to stand trial after that story um
0: there's a, there's a yeah, lot of questions I, there <laughs> have you talked to your family since then <laughs> right exactly i had to uh kind of you know
1: disappear after that one but uh anyways i'm gonna dive into a guy who played for six teams in the MLB over a nearly 20-year career. He is not in the Hall of Fame and only actually has one more shot. Um, He is not in the 500 home home run club. He is not tied to the Mitchell Report, but he was a damn fine ball player. I am honored to be covering the great Fred McGriff on today's show, Lefty. Crime dog. I was going to say, don't call him the crime dog in your Chris Berman voice, or we'll, <laughs> we'll shut this episode down and I'll just talk about Whoopi Goldberg movies. <laughs> oh man. So anyways, uh, McGriff was drafted by the Yankees in 1981 and immediately was traded to the Toronto Blue Jays the, the following year in 82. You know, it made sense for the most part since your guy, Donnie Baseball, had first base locked down there in, uh, in New York, but... They eventually realized uh, they traded McGriff and got a garbage in, in return for him. So uh, now, now before Fred was even a regular major leaguer, in 1986, legendary hitter Ted Williams was at a spring training game and, and took notice. He told management, he talked to the media, and he talked about how much he liked everything about McGriff, but didn't know who he was. Liked his swing, his mechanics, the sound of the ball coming off of his bat, and hey, when you've hit 400 and haven't played in the league for 20 years at that point, who's not going to listen to you? Right? I'm Absolutely. Kidding. Ted Williams is <laughs> a legend, <lot of> <laughs> But he was right. Uh, Fred's rookie season in 1986, he hit 20 homers in 107 games, primarily as a DH. And in 1987, he hit 34. It was the first of seven consecutive seasons where he hit 30 or more home runs. Uh, He was tops in the AL and power in 1989 with 36 homers, and he helped the Blue Jays win the AL East. Uh, Fun fact, he was the very first, uh, he hit the very first home run ever in the Rogers Center, where where the Blue Jays play. Really? Yeah. But uh, in 1990, he was traded to the San Diego Padres. Uh, this time, though, the Blue Jays received uh, some some good stuff, some you know, some some good players. They got Joe Carter and Roberto Alomar in return. Uh, those were two integral players that uh, that helped them win back-to-back World Series in '92 and '93. So while that was happening in Toronto, though, McGriff went unfaced. He never had any issues acclimating to the NL, and he kept hitting for power and average while making his first all-star appearance and leading the NL in home runs, just as he did a few years prior in the AL. But those Padres were never in serious contention. So in 93, they needed to unload contracts, and they traded him to the Braves. Immediately, he had an impact. He helped the Braves take the NL West title. NL West. He believe that they were were playing in the same division as the Giants at that time. Uh... And he hit a career-high 37 home runs without skipping a beat. Now, 1994 is an important season for McGriff. Why? Because it was a strike-shortened season. In August, at the time of play stoppage, he was batting 318 with 34 home runs in August. So he was on the verge of having a monster season. But that wasn't in the cards. What was in the cards... Was 1995 and that saw him continue to produce as one of the most consistent cleanup hitters in the game and his one and only world series championship ring so the following season the braves returned to the world series but lost fred then signs with the tampa bay rays his hometown team has a down season for you know McGriff standards with under 20 home runs so most everyone firmly believes that his career was in decline but he returns to form quickly with the rays um, during with the rays and the cubs actually and at ages 35 through 38 McGriff hit 32, 27, 31 and 30 home runs while always hitting above 270 and sometimes 300 you know he had a short stint with the dodgers and then returned again to tampa where he officially retired in 2005 so let's talk about career stats five-time all-star three-time silver slugger world series champ career war of nearly 57 according to Fangraphs. Uh, never had a season with negative war other than his rookie season where he played 107 games and the year he retired he is one of only two players to hit at least 30 home runs for five different teams one of less than 20 players to ever record a 280 batting average 375 on base percentage and 500 slugging percentage along with at least 490 home runs. He ended his career with 493 homers, just seven short of that 500 club. But that said 493 is in 500. He's never gotten more than 25% of the votes needed on the hall of fame ballots. Uh, He never hit 40 in a season uh, he's not even considered in the top 10 first baseman of his era, honestly. Um, but he's never been tied to a Mitchell Report accusation. Uh, maybe some assumptions, right? But uh, is Fred McGriff a victim of a strike short in 94 season? If he hits five hundred, is he in the Hall of Fame? Or is he a steroid-era casualty? What is he? Is he is he underrated, Lefty? You
0: know, I think that he's definitely underrated. Not by a lot, but a little bit he, yeah. he he reminds me a lot of uh, of a david ortiz type i think their their career wars are pretty similar uh-huh. career numbers are pretty similar um and i also think that david ortiz is overrated <laughs> <laughs> definitely um, so um pretty similar players in that regard i think that if you averaged out the rating of the two of them it, it's adequate for both uh-huh. of them <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely underrated. I don't think that he's been given the, the appreciation he deserves. Um, you know, he's had a pretty prolific career. He also had a, a lot of not great seasons. Um, lots of accounting stats that were, that were good, but, uh, didn't blow anybody out of the water with a bunch of, you know, eight, nine, ten war seasons. Uh, right, right. He was, he, he was, was good, but he was never great. Right. Yeah. He was a solid contributor. That said, um. Still, you know, definitely a guy that uh, was a victim of his era and a victim of not uh, not hitting those arbitrary metrics that uh, that people love so much. Um, and as I said, definitely somebody that I think uh, you know outpaced Fred McGriff in terms of production. Er, sorry, outpaced Fred McGriff outproduced David Ortiz in terms of on-field production, and a sure. player that uh, maybe should should get a second look by voters if if we've set the new mark at add a david ortiz you know closer to 50 war than 60 then uh fred mcgriff is absolutely a, a person that deserves that hall of fame nod
1: definitely definitely i i agree he's uh you know his uh his career right now is uh um his hall of fame career we'll say is uh you know on the line here i think his last shot is in december if i'm not mistaken Uh, They're going to be voting on it, but, uh, you know, he was so close to that, that 500 club. And I feel like aside from the sheer, well, I mean, you know, since he's been in, he's made it into, you know, since he's retired, I mean, 13 players joined that, that home run club in in, in a 21 year span basically. Right. I mean, you had Sosa, Palmero, McGuire, Sheffield, all these guys. Um, but you know mcgriff was the only one at this point who seems to be a clean player right yeah. i mean there's a lot of big names there anybody who was doing anything was on that report the bagwells yeah. yeah. the mcguires all these guys the palmeros like we said for whatever reason frederick was nowhere to be found okay but you know who knows what that means let's uh, you know you you can make your assumptions and you know whatever but you know, he never won an MVP. Um, he did change teams frequently. Um, you know, I uh, it's hard to really say. You know, in a time where it was so competitive and the balls were juiced, he never hit forty home runs. And I think, like you said, those are metrics that mattered for that time. If you are talking about uh, uh, the company that he was in, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: And, you know, and he was, you know, he he was hurt by that that shortened strike season. Um, you know, voters hold on to those metrics, whether they're important or not. It's ridiculous that a s- seven home run swing is what uh, could keep a guy out of the Hall of Fame, but it is what right. it is. Um, right. But he was also, you know, hurt by the players he was surrounded with, you know? Definitely. W- when you're surrounded by guys like Jay Bell hitting, you know, 40 home runs or whatever, or, you know, Steve Finley hitting sure. 35 or whatever, um, you know, it, it's hard to surpass that when you're uh, you're just plugging along, you know, putting up right. good but not spectacular production. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, maybe he'll get that recognition one day, but uh, for whatever reason, well, I mean, we know the reasons, uh, he, he probably won't get into the Hall of Fame this round. Uh, hopefully right. they, they, you know, some, some committee in the future will, uh, you know, change things around but at this moment uh unfortunately i think it'll be a casualty of his era definitely
1: yeah um uh, hopefully you know uh somebody will see something and you know recognize uh, some of his accomplishments but you know like we talked about it wasn't like there was you know three thousand hits under his belt you know there wasn't like there was a gold glove play out in the field um you know there's i think there's some other factors that kind of go into that so you know I can see it from both angles but you know good luck to Fred man sure he's out there somewhere uh, with his fingers crossed and I think we both agree
0: he's a uh, he's a tad underrated yeah absolutely absolutely Um, yeah so we've got Kresimir Chosich uh, underrated Fred McGriff underrated uh, anything coming up in this next week uh, you're excited about Bo in terms of the sports
1: well you know right now I'm in Cincinnati. And, you know, the Bengals are playing the Dolphins. I have freaking Amazon Prime turned up. This is <laughs> what we're doing now these days. So, uh, yeah, I mean, wh- uh, let me ask you, what what are your thoughts on this Apple TV situation and the Amazon Prime situation, you know, with these sporting events? Um,
0: I plead the, plead the fifth. I don't pay for sports. Right. (laughs) Talk about how I get my sports. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. I I tell you that it it is not great for the average fan. It's not something that concerns me personally because they're not going to get my money either way. But uh, you know, for you know, ninety-five percent of fans that uh, you know are just trying to watch games of the teams they like, uh, it's just another pain in the ass for them.
1: Well, you know, I had this conspiracy theory leading up to the Albert Pujols seven hundred home run, uh, you know, chase that it was going to happen as we got closer to it while they were playing the Dodgers and it was on, you know, Apple Plus. I just had this feeling that it was going to get close and people were going, <laughs> the MLB was going <laughs> to make people pay for it, right? So, yeah, yeah. Well, I, just, and, and I, just, uh, I thought that was coming.
0: It, it was a very, if that's the case, right? That's such an MLB move, right? To, to have a historic event coming up and instead of trying to make that more accessible to grow a fan base, sure, increase revenue in that way, it's, it's money grab. <laughs> to to make already existing fans, fewer of them, uh, you know, have to pay extra money to watch, you know, the milestone break.
1: Yeah, can, I mean, can you imagine, back in the day, especially your like your grandparents wanting to see their favorite ball player do something historic, but having to like buy it on pay per view.
0: I mean that's what it's equivalent <laughs> to, right?
1: You know, like or 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 buy cable because yeah, yeah. you know, something that they're never gonna use but just to watch this thing. I mean, it's pretty crazy, but it,
0: it you know, it's it's tangential. But uh growing up in uh in Indiana, I was for whatever reason in the blackout zone of the Indianapolis five hundred every year. hmm So they didn't actually show the race that was in Indiana in Indiana because they assumed that it would make people not go to the race wow um, but almost everyone that I knew had like pretty extensive like TV antenna setups to try to get the race broadcast from an Illinois station and they would, they would just use those once a year just to watch the Indianapolis 500 um so wow. that's probably the, the most the most direct comparison I can think of.
1: Yeah. You've got to uh, rig something together to, yeah. you know, just be a fan, right? Something yeah. that yeah. should be completely accessible. You know, there's a there's quite a, obviously we have a big NFL weekend coming up, but uh, I'm telling you, if if you're connected to the Cleveland Browns in any way, something is gonna happen to you. And something is gonna come out. There's always something. Have you seen this Miles Garrett story? I have not. Inform me, (laughs) Bo. Okay, so uh, earlier this week, Miles Garrett, uh, you know, uh, star D lineman for the Cleveland Browns, literally has a one-car accident in the middle of the day, drives his Porsche with his girlfriend in it off the road at 60 miles per hour and flips the damn thing. I mean, it's just destroyed. And... the the, obviously police show up in you know this uh, cleveland suburb and i mean he's got a left shoulder sprain a right bicep strain cuts and bruises he said he thought his hand was all messed up i mean the the videos out there from the police body cam the the cops are telling him hey hope you're not out too long we need you out there uh nobody knows what's going on and you know obviously the cops are like you know have you been drinking anything nothing they, they they didn't suspect that he was under the influence of any kind but just randomly I mean he said he was steering out of the way of an animal on the road. I don't even know what animal but it, it, I mean what what next you know
0: like there's just yeah, it, yeah. This is a freak show up there well it's it's kind of nuts uh, that, that that man still has a driver's license So I'm reading about this now. And, and he's been cited four times, uh, once in 2019, for going 91 miles an hour in a 60-mile-per-hour zone in Ohio. See. In 2020, he was cited for going 100 miles an hour in a 65. I remember that, yeah. In 2021, he was cited two consecutive days for driving at least 100 miles an hour um, in 70-mile-per-hour zones. So it, it's clear that uh, that's a man that... Uh, should not be behind the wheel of a car especially you, a sports car do you think it's you think it's just because he's so large that his f- leg and f-
1: foot is just so heavy that he goes faster it's a, it's like Shaq in a Buick or a Lincoln uh,
0: no i think he just likes <laughs> to drive fast
1: <laughs> he they so they're saying that you know his car uh left the road and that it also hit a fire hydrant also as well, like, I I mean, it's just, uh, it's a mess, but, uh, you know, they, they said that he wasn't impaired by, you know, drugs or alcohol and, uh, you know,
0: but he was clearly impaired by being
1: just a dumbass, just
0: a bad driver. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, again, we can't go. I mean, I think that there, it's, it's an indictment of, of whatever is going on in Ohio as well. You know, if you can get four tickets in a you know, a two-year period. Is that two years? Yeah, roughly two-year period for going 90 to 120 miles an hour. Like, there should be some kind of consequence greater than getting a ticket. Yeah,
1: I mean, if it's getting... Yeah.
0: I mean that's pretty bad,
1: right? I mean that's pretty like if bad. you
0: if you can get a ticket for going 99 miles an hour and the next day get one for going 120 miles an hour. <laughs> like maybe they need to reevaluate some things in Ohio. Their system? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean obviously there are a lot of laws in Ohio that are uh, a little antiquated. Right. That's probably one of the least you know pressing ones, but uh right. Yeah, this is a real problem there.
1: It seems to be, right? Man, uh on a more serious level, Hurricane Ian is just, just destroying everything in its path. Um, you know, I think um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but it, the, the storm surge was so intense in Tampa that I mean, it emptied out the bay. Like that's how serious this 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 damn thing is. You know, Orlando is saying there's uh, catastrophic, historic flooding. Um, and, and, and probably the most catastrophic, you know, uh, natural disaster damage in the history of of the state. You know, um, as I was watching before we started recording the beginning of the podcast here, the uh, start of this uh, Bengals and Dolphins game, you know, began, and um, of course the commentators are Al Michaels and God, whoever that other idiot is. <laughs> And uh, Al Michaels is like, yeah, you know, the owner of the Buccaneers have already, uh, they've vowed to donate a a million dollars. And uh, Tom Brady is donating money. Obviously, he's a Tampa resident. And uh, the other commentator says, yeah, sweet Tom Brady. Always always willing to give. Always willing to give. Because, you know, we got to pay respects to the great Tom Brady during this time of, uh, you know, natural disaster. But, uh, man, it is uh, freaking intense down there. And yeah. I mean, every year, it's they're they're going through something. But this is a, this is a serious one. It uh, went down to like a category one, made a right turn, and then went back up, and it's turning into a category five. I think it, it's just crazy. It's it's a mess down there, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, on uh, on whatever platform you view this, we'll uh, we'll put a link to uh, some on the ground nonprofits in the area that you can absolutely. To absolutely so you, you can check that out on uh on our socials twitter um uh TikTok, <laughs> youtube and then uh in, in the description of of wherever you're listening to this podcast if you'd like to to help with relief efforts following hurricane Ian, yeah the um you know there's a lot of sporting
1: events happening there that uh you know are being relocated and uh you know maybe even canceled and, and whatnot, so, you know, that'll be interesting to see. I I know um, the Chiefs and Buccaneers are still planning to play this weekend, so um, I, I think they're moving forward, but, uh, um, you know, good luck I mean, to the I guess, folks down there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess they do have that big boat by the field. That's true. <laughs> Tampa, the pirate ship. That's the, uh, that's the locker room. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That's, right. that's that's the that's the uh, that's the uh, poop deck. Uh, to hang out on. <laughs> but yeah, that's a uh, what a fucking stupid thing. <laughs> Sorry. Oh man.
0: But uh yeah, um, what uh what else is going on out there in the world, man? Well, uh you know, it's the last week of the regular season in the NWSL. That's right. You know me, right. big big oil rain fan you know with a with a win this week and a loss uh if they win this week and portland loses they'll uh win the commissioner's shield best uh, best team in the league in the regular season and get a first round right. playoff by so uh looking forward to that um definitely and uh you know as we've talked about uh we'll have a we'll have an nwsl playoff preview for you next week <laughs> all right all right
1: yeah i uh saw that uh yeah, there's a headline. So, um, the Arsenal's, uh, Gabriel Jesus, um, was talking about leaving Man City and the headline was just Jesus's feelings on leaving the city. <laughs> so obviously I clicked on it cause I wanted to know how the Lord felt, but, uh, it was just about Gabriel Jesus. So, uh, oh,
0: but, uh, looking forward to watching some, uh, yeah, some, we got uh, some the premier league back soccer. this weekend. I know. After, right. Uh, after a couple weeks of, uh. You know the international break, many uh-huh. games being canceled because uh, I I can't remember why, but some, I guess some old woman died or something. Something like that. Something uh, like that. Yeah, we've got some some Premier League games happening this weekend, which will be exciting. Yeah, uh, your uh, your Brentford lads got uh, Bournemouth. Yeah, that should they should be able to take care of business there, get back on track.
1: There you go, there you go. Yeah, I know we've got uh, uh, you know Liverpool and Brighton, uh, Southampton and Everton. Whatever that's going to turn out to be, West Ham and Wolverhampton, you know some good games there uh, on Saturday, and then on Sunday we've got the the Manchester's taking each other on, the Manchester's Manchester okay. Derby, yeah, that's Manchester Derb, and uh, Leeds and Aston Villa. So gonna be an eventful weekend for sure. Um, you know, might be a few surprises there. I I think uh, we're gonna see uh, some crazy stuff, honestly too many yeah. too many lopsided matches matchups and i and i feel like when that happens the things start to get really whacked out
0: yeah 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 especially after coming off the break you know some players uh you know they're fresh after playing you know a couple of yeah. national matches some haven't really seen action in a couple of weeks now especially some of those players that you know had uh, more than one game suspended so there are some players that haven't played in a month
1: yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, uh, like you said, when I, when stuff like that happens, I think, uh, you know, uh, things get a little crazy. What the hell was
0: that? You get a phone call there? <laughs> you didn't turn your ad block on? What? uh, what, uh oh, my, my word. It's
1: <laughs> um, what you say, ringtones.
0: <laughs> like, is it, does anyone
1: still have those anymore?
0: Is <laughs> uh, that still the thing, ringtones? Yeah, I don't know. Probably some kid in middle school still still playing uh, the the frog. What's that? You, know you know what I'm talking about? Crazy frog. Crazy frog. <laughs> oh my god!
1: What was uh, what, what was the uh, what was the reference you made earlier? <laughs> <That we're... laughs> what was the other reference you made earlier that we were laughing about?
0: Oh, I can't, I can't remember. Oh, my
1: goodness. That was the second one. That's just <laughs> absurd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cut uh, a little too deep today. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That we're going real deep, right? Yeah. Uh,
0: I, I guess at that note, we'll, uh, we'll wrap things up. Absolutely. You can listen to this episode and all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts can be found. You can follow us on Twitter at underratedpod. That's at under underscore rated underscore pod. Uh, follow us on YouTube at underrated pod. Um and on TikTok at under underscore rated underscore pod. You can also follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash underrated pod. Definitely. Good stuff on Patreon coming. Absolutely. We'll be have a new episode there next week. Um and uh until then, uh this is all you got. <laughs> yeah.